Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 11 o'clock a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 16th day of October 2023. This is episode 810 of Bitcoin. And, well, let's just go ahead and do the Circle P stuff. This is going to be a little bit of a different Circle P because I want to spotlight Pablo F7Z's uh, shipyard. Uh, if you don't know what Shipyard is, we'll get to it in a second, but he has a couple of announcements. Uh, he has made it to where you can upload images and videos directly from Shipyard, and he's actually put in, I think it's Tenor GIFs, so you can go search for GIFs uh, and pop them in directly into a note that you write on Shipyard for Noster. And he's also, you know, done a little bit of bug fixing on editing and drafts and whatnot. So, what? Let's get into Shipyard just a little bit, okay? If if you haven't seen what 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 Shipyard is all about, I want to show you what Pablo's been working on because this one, Pablo F7Z or Z, whatever you know, has been pretty much not sleeping for, I don't know, six months or so because he keeps building Nostra clients and data vending machines and, I mean, all manner of stuff. Now, this dude, everything that he's put out is something that I use, but not like this. This thing has the highest amount of utility that I have ever seen in my entire life because now... I can write a, a note to be blasted out to Noster, but I can schedule it. So I write a note and I say, you know what? I don't want to post that right now. I want to post this like maybe it's an, like maybe an, the announcement for today's show. I'm definitely going to be use, uh, posting it multiple times so that I can hit different time zones. And this has always been an important feature when I was back on Twitter because you can't post and let people know about something when you're asleep. And the rest of the world is awake when you're asleep, right? So, or at least the other half of the world that's in sunlight. So this is the thing that makes that possible. And you can also, you know, you can, um, I'm trying to say, schedule a repost of something like if you've, you know, if you've replied or, you know, you want to reply to somebody or something like that, but you don't want it to go out just yet, you can use Shipyard for that too. If you just want to repost something that you or somebody else has posted on Noster, you can select that as well. Now there's, you know, this is beta at minimum, if not flat ass alpha testing. So be aware that there are some things that won't work the way that you're thinking because Pablo's only one guy. 
But for the people that are on Zapstream, you're seeing basically what I see when I get into Shipyard. And so, for instance, I have like scheduled posts. Uh, the one, the ones that you see up here, like, is a link to the book thread that I keep running. Uh, I read a lot of, I read a lot of books, and I like to, you know, put them up so other people can get, find these things. And it, you know, I read stuff basically about regen agriculture and pasture stuff, and you know, mycology stuff, and all, all you know, all kinds of things that have something to do with permaculture regen ag all that kind of stuff soil health and how to get good soil and i post those up and what i've been testing is this whole shipyard thing so i'm reposting them and now i've got a list of things that are scheduled like this one is going to go out in like three days the next one is two days and then there's one that's like you know also two days but it's like they're basically 12 hours apart um and this all these are in a particular queue and I can I can make a queue and I can like name it and only put the stuff in that particular queue that has something to do with permaculture. So if I select my permaculture queue, I can see all the stuff that's going to go in and you can't see it here, but what I've set this queue to do is that whatever is in the list like I've got a list. I've got like five things that are supposed to go out in this queue. They're not all going to go out at once. The queue is timed that the next one up, no matter when you put it in there, it's like it basically just stacks them. It's like I put in like 10 notes and it doesn't matter. I don't have to actually give it a time to shoot out because I can set the whole queue to say the next one that's ready to queue, you Blast it off in 12 hours. The next one, 12 hours after that. The next one, 12 hours after that. See how this works? I could have set that for eight hours. I could set it for every two days. I could set it for every 24 hours. So I can just keep a running stack of notes to go out. And I'm like, I can be in the car. I can be at lunch. I can be sleeping. I can be in the shower. It doesn't really matter. And this helps with getting your stuff out to people across the world. And that's, if you're trying to build an audience like I am, that's important. And it, and Pablo has done a wonderful job on this thing. So if you have not tried shipyard.pub, P-U-B, shipyard.pub, like publication, shipyard.pub, you need to go check that out. He also has a donation page. and I can't remember where the hell that is. Um, it's, it's somewhere, it's somewhere here. Where, where is it? Ah, dang it. Hold on. Let me see if I can't find it. Oh, I can't remember where it is. It's on this damn page where you have the choice. And I was like, Pablo, you really need to, you really, really, really need to get this where I can find it easily. But I donated 30 bucks to, um, to Pablo because, well, this is one of the highest utility uh, items that that he's come up with for me. I mean, he didn't do it for me, but as far as I'm concerned, of all the things, and he has like, you know, all, his, all of his stuff is good. It just so happens that I'm the kind of person that has been looking for a scheduler for Noster Notes forever. And this one, this one, this one works. 
You can like you and you can you don't have to have a cue. You can just set a note and you can blast it out immediately or you can write a note and set it to blast out 4 hours from wherever. You can do all that shit manually. You can do it automated. You can now put in GIFs, you can put in pictures and videos. The man is to be praised. Thank you Pablo for all that you do for all of us helping Noster and us, you know, well, do our thing. Now for the news. You know we're going to end up getting into it, but we're going to do this one first. Okay, cuz this what, you know, this sort of sets the tone for everything. The SEC reportedly will not appeal the court decision on the grayscale Bitcoin ETF. This came out a couple of days ago. So just so you know, it came out October the 14th, 2023. So, you know, two days ago. The United States Securities and Exchange Commission reportedly has no plans to appeal the recent court decision that favored grayscale investments. The ruling requires the SEC to review the firm's spot Bitcoin exchange traded fund application. The SEC supposed supposed decision not to appeal the United States Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit ruling was highlighted in an October 13th report from Reuters, which cited a source familiar with the matter. Bloomberg analysts also expect the SEC not to appeal to the Supreme Court, but emphasize that this doesn't necessarily mean Grayscale's application is set to be approved. If the reports are true, the SEC will need to follow the court's uh, August orders and review Grayscale's application to change its Grayscale Bitcoin Trust into a spot Bitcoin ETF. According to Reuters, the appeals court is expected to issue a mandate specifically outlining how its ruling should be executed by the SEC. Commenting on the developments, Bloomberg ETF analyst James Seifert stated via Twitter that, quote, I do not think they will appeal the Supreme Court either. Dialogue between Grayscale and SEC should begin next week, hoping for more info on next steps sometime next week or maybe the week after, end quote. Moving forward, Seifert suggested that it is likely that we will find out the next week or two what the deadline is for the SEC to approve or deny Grayscale's spot Bitcoin ETF application because, yes, they can still deny it, which is exactly what I expect them to do. They'll find some other half-harebrained reason and then... Grayscale will just have to file another court lawsuit against the SEC. So don't expect all, don't expect any of this shit to just magically go away. All right, just be aware. Continuing. If the SEC were to deny the application, Grayscale could then appeal that decision, dragging the process out even longer. See, when I told you. Around seven spot Bitcoin ETF applications have been put before the SEC and are awaiting a decision from the regulator. In a separate preceding uh, Twitter post on October the 13th, Seifert reiterated his view that there is a 90% chance that a spot Bitcoin ETF application will get approved in January of 2024, specifically the application from Kathy Wood's ARC request. Interesting. Seifert and Bloomberg's analyst, uh, senior analyst, uh, Eric Balchunas also previously suggested a 75% chance that an application will be approved in 2023. I, okay, so that's the end of the article, but I, 
I have to disagree with James. I don't think it's going to be Kathy Woods' ARK Invest that gets the first uh, the first play. I think it's going to be SEC's good buddies, the BlackRock guys, because they're BlackRock. They're right. I'm, this is like the largest hedge fund manager on the planet. They've been around forever. Larry Fink has his fingers into everything. Kathy Woods, not 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 that big of a deal. I mean, I like her. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I like what she's done. I like what she said. I I don't really necessarily appreciate all of her you know shit coinery statements. But be that as it may, she's done some pretty awesome work. I don't think it's going to be Ark Invest that gets this. I think it's going to be BlackRock. I personally think that the SEC is not going to appeal this decision because they need some kind of cover to be able to either approve BlackRock's ETF this year or have some kind of cover to just continually deny all ETF applications in total. That's why they're not, I don't think they want to drag this out. I think they just want this one to be like a closing gate that they can walk forward and either just go ahead and approve all their buddies first and give them the big the, the big money play first, or they just continue to deny applications and let the courts and public opinion battle on about Gary Gensler's heavy-handed approach to whether or not we get a Bitcoin spot ETF, no matter who, no matter who it comes from. Right? But, 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 but that now that we've got the premise. Of these next ones, let, let's let's go ahead and talk about the big news of the morning. Bitcoin spiked 10% on a false report of BlackRock ETF approval. Yeah, you got rug pulled. Matt DeSalvo, or yeah, Matt DeSalvo from Decrypt tells us more. The price of Bitcoin this morning, Eastern time, shot up and nearly touched $30,000 amid a flurry of false rumors about an exchange-traded fund approval. Right now, the price of the biggest digital asset by market cap is up 4% in the past 24 hours, trading at around $27,970, according to CoinGecko. But earlier, it briefly touched 29483 which was a 6% jump in 15 minutes and 10% higher than it had been trading the day before. The rest of the crypto market followed, of course, with major cryptocurrencies like Shitcoin 1, Shitcoin 2, and Shitcoin number 3 all jumping in price. The reason? Crypto news publication Cointelegraph tweeted that the United States Securities and Exchange Commission had approved BlackRock's iShares Bitcoin Trust ETF. Cointelegraph didn't give a source, but analysts then wrote on Twitter that they were trying to confirm the rumor. The media company has since deleted its tweet and posted an apology on Twitter. Quote, We apologize for a tweet that led to the dissemination of inaccurate information regarding the BlackRock Bitcoin ETF, the outlet said, adding that an internal investigation is currently underway. Mm -hmm. BlackRock said in an email that the ETF was still under review by the SEC. Bitcoin's price then dropped again and fast after the ETF experts and other news publications did indeed confirm that the SEC had not approved the investment vehicle and millions of dollars in positions got liquidated. 
CoinGlass data shows that nearly 79 million in short positions have been liquidated in the hours following the tweet. In the past 24 hours, $136.5 million in positions have been liquidated. BlackRock, the world's biggest fund manager, which manages $9.5 trillion in assets applied to the SEC for spot Bitcoin exchange-traded fund back in June. Institutional investors poured money into the space and in turn caused the asset to jump to a 12-month high. But the SEC has since delayed giving an answer on the long list of Bitcoin ETF applications it has from high-profile fund managers sitting on its desk. All right, so that's about all that we really need to know. There's a couple more paragraphs, but it just gets into a little bit of history. So that was what I woke up to this morning, (laughs) was that... That BlackRock ETF had gotten approved. And then it was very clear from a a couple of tweets from um, Matt O'Dell from Rabbit Hole Recap that indeed we got got rug pulled mentally. And no, this has not actually happened. However, probably should say that Matt was one of the people that tweeted out that news. And uh, when, when Cointelegraph actually said that, hey, they've approved it, they've approved it. Well, looking back, it looks like Matt, you know, and it's like he's human like everybody else. You know, he just, hey, he got approved. And then he comes back and says, well, no, it was all fake news. But thank God we stayed humble. And that's exactly where we should all be. We should all be staying and remaining as humble as we possibly can. But, 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 but we're not done with Grayscale yet, right? Because Grayscale's GBTC discount you know, the discount, like how much the GBTC is actually worth versus how much Bitcoin is worth. They've been having problems for the last two and a half years of their, you know, you buy their Bitcoin in the GBTC and it's just worth less than what buying it on the open spot market would be for you. So Grayscale GBTC discount has narrowed to a two-year low as the SEC misses the ETF appeal window. Coindesk, Amkar Godball tells us more, the widely tracked crypto market indicator GBTC discount, narrowed to its lowest in 22 months on Friday, signaling increased optimism that Grayscale will be able to convert its close-ended Bitcoin trust into an open-ended spot Bitcoin exchange traded fund. Now, I'm pausing. I'm pausing just for a second. Just to say, not only do I not think that Kathy Wood's ARK Invest is going to be the first Bitcoin ETF out there, I also do not think that Grayscale is going to be converted into a spot Bitcoin ETF before BlackRock's is. I really think that BlackRock is going to be the first. I don't mind being wrong. I really don't. And it would be interesting to find out that BlackRock doesn't get approval first. That would be a very interesting, you know, play out of events. But I digress. On Friday, shares in Grayscale Bitcoin Trust traded at a discount of 15.87% to the trust's net asset value, reaching the level last seen in December of 2021, according to YCharts. The discount has been steadily narrowing since reaching a record low of nearly 50%. God, could you imagine 50% during the height of the bear market in December of last year? 
The latest improvement came as the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission decided not to appeal against the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals' August verdict to set aside the regulator's decision to reject Grayscale's attempt to convert its trust into an ETF. The SEC had until Friday midnight to challenge the decision, but they didn't. Grayscale and Coindesk are part of Digital Currency Group. Yeah, yeah of course, you, you have to say that shit, don't you? The SEC could now come up with new reasons to reject Grayscale's bid to cover its trust, in, convert its trust into an ETF, or request an N-Bank appeal. That said, the probability appears low, considering the regulator has been actively engaging with other spot ETF applications. Quote, as far as I know. The SEC did not appeal, which means it now has to reconsider its ruling. It could deny again for different reasons, but the agency is reportedly engaging with other potential issuers, which is unusual. It is starting to feel like it is getting ready to let them list. Nicole Oxen, author of the popular Crypto is Macro Now newsletter, said in a weekend edition. Nate Garashi President of the ETF store voiced a similar opinion on Twitter last week, saying the lack of appeal would mean a potential spot ETF launch in January of 2024 with Grayscale probably taking the lead over other issuers. I just I just don't agree with that. On June the 15th, the world's largest fund manager and traditional finance heavyweight BlackRock filed for an ETF with the SEC with Fidelity, Invesco, Valkyrie, WisdomTree, VanEck following BlackRock's lead in the subsequent days. A potential approval of a spot-based ETF is widely expected to unlock floodgates to billions of dollars in mainstream money, although Coinbase Institutional expects the flows to materialize over time. So, yeah, please, please, please don't expect these supposed floodgates to immediately open. Hey, if it happens and Bitcoin goes to $500,000 a coin, sure, great, yay. I don't expect that to happen. I expect them to, here's what I expect. I expect the SEC to approve BlackRock's ETF first. And then it'll be months before any other ETFs get approved. And then it will be one, maybe two, maybe even three they'll approve. And then they'll wait some more. And then they'll approve like maybe a couple more. And during all this time of this staggered releasing of Bitcoin ETF investment products, more and more applications will inundate the SEC because everybody's, once once you've got one, then you have precedent and then everybody in their dog is going to want a Bitcoin ETF or they're going to apply for a Bitcoin ETF investment vehicle. And then the SEC is going to have reams of paper that they'll probably put in three stacks. One, solid Bitcoin ETF applications. And then in the middle stack, it'll be not so sure. And then in this other stack is going to be obvious freaking scams that are never going to be approved. The court cases on all three of these stacks for the SEC is almost eye-watering. I think there's going to be a lot of court cases that are coming up because some people are going to be approved. Other people are going to be disapproved. Everybody's going to immediately appeal because why? There's already a precedent for the D.C. Court of Appeals to side not in the favor of the SEC on these decisions. It's going to be a god, the smoldering bloodbath is what it's going to be. 
is going to be ugly. But I do not expect at all Kathy Woods or Grayscale to be first out of the gate. I think it's going to be BlackRock. Just just so that we're very, very clear about all that. Now, on the heels of all this, you've got the little dogs nipping at Gary Gensler's heels. Because so many precedents have been set against the SEC and therefore Gary Gensler that now it's time to put the pressure on and the naked mole rat that is Brian Armstrong from uh, Coinbase is, well, he's he's right there. Let's get into it. Nicholas Morgan decrypt. Coinbase decries SEC's bureaucratic pantomime and again demands a decision on crypto rules. Dismissing the most recent response from the Securities and Exchange Commission to its long-delayed petition on rulemaking, Coinbase is demanding once again that the agency take prompt action on a request it made last year for formal rules on which digital assets count as securities. And if the SEC won't do that, the exchange wants the court to force the SEC to take action. In a filing submitted to a Manhattan federal court on Friday, Coinbase accused the SEC of a pattern of troubling intransigence. I can't pronounce it. Intransigence. Intransigence. Well, I can't do it. Fuck it. For refusing to act on a rulemaking petition that was filed last Friday, the agency previously called for a delay from the court that was granted in June, but a recent filing by its lawyers said that a recommendation was made in this direction with no guidance yet issued. This pattern, Coinbase's outside counsel Eugene Scalia wrote, amounts to a tacit admission that the SEC has no intention of taking action on the request. And by not acting, Scalia said the SEC has left digital assets stuck in an unprecedented catch-22. Quote, the SEC's unilluminating report is mere bureaucratic pantomime and confirms that nothing short of Madamus will prompt the agency to take its obligations seriously, wrote Scalia, a partner at Gibson Dunn and the son of late Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. A mandamus is a judicial writ from a higher court to a lower court, ordering the lower court to perform its statutory duty. The original Coinbase request was a petition for rulemaking asking the SEC to lay out how the companies can stay within the bounds of the federal securities laws. Almost a full year later, on June the 6th, the SEC sued Coinbase on allegations that it was an unregistered securities exchange. Following this lawsuit, the Third Circuit of the United States Court of Appeals ordered the agency to reveal whether it has decided to deny Coinbase's petition. Gary Gensler, the chairman, has stated repeatedly that existing laws already make clear how digital asset companies must comply with the law and accuse them of refusing to abide by said rules. In its own filing on October the 11th, the SEC said that its staff issued a recommendation for action on the request, but Scalia said that this response was inadequate and deliberate. Quote, the agency cannot hide behind opaque, opaque allusions to unspecified internal advice offered by its staff. Uh, said Scalia, adding that his response was the, quote, latest gambit to stave off judicial review of its de facto denial. So, again, there's a few couple more paragraphs of, you know, a little bit of historical stuff. We don't need to get into it. But what I'm getting at is that the attack dogs are out on Gary Gensler and the SEC 
Everybody is hammering the SEC. I have never seen the SEC get this kind of attention. I mean, it's it's amazing. They're losing court cases left and right. You've got people in the Senate and House of Representatives screaming for either Gary Gensler to straight up resign himself or to be fired. And now you've got the naked mole rat, Brian Armstrong, nipping at his heels, and there's going to be a whole bunch of other ones. That, because he's not even talking about that they want an ET, a Bitcoin ETF. He's talking about you need to make your, your rules clear. I wouldn't want to be Gary Gensler at all. I wouldn't want to be in his office. I wouldn't want to be part of his staff. This thing is a mess. And Gary Gensler, honestly, has kind of brought it upon himself. But it is what it is. That's the news, basically, what's going on right now. Now, let's get away from all that, but we're staying with the United States government. There's something everybody needs to remember. And it doesn't mean that you need to run scared. It also doesn't mean that you need to, you know, but it certainly doesn't mean that you need to uh, ignore it. Because this is a thing. Please, please, please remember that the United States government is among the largest Bitcoin hodlers with over $5 billion in Bitcoin, according to a report. And Prescient Jaw from Cointelegraph tells us more about that. The United States government has become one of the largest Bitcoin hodlers with over 200,000 BTC worth more than $5 billion, despite selling a few thousand BTC worth millions earlier this year. According to a data analysis based on public filings, crypto firm 21.co estimated that the United States government still holds roughly 194,000 BTC estimated to be worth around 5.3 billion. The firm noted in its analysis that these are lower bound estimations of the U.S. government holdings based on publicly available information. The analysis tracked the Bitcoin movement of the U.S. government wallets associated with the three largest seizures since 2020, namely the Silk Road seizure of 69,000 BTC in November of 2020. The Bitfinex hack of 94,000 BTC in January of 2022 and the James Zong seizure of 51,000 BTC in March of 2022. The government Bitcoin stash is kept primarily offline in encrypted storage devices like hardware wallets kept under the Justice Department and the Internal Revenue Service. The U.S. government made two significant seizures in 2022. Seized assets do not instantly belong to the government. The United States Marshals Service, the principal agency charged with selling seized property, only receives possession of the seized Bitcoin after a court issues a definitive forfeiture judgment. The U.S. government also sells a portion of these seized Bitcoin from time to time through an auction system based on court liquidation orders. The most notable government auction dates back to 2014, when billionaire Tim Draper bought 30,000 BTC from U.S. government auctions in 2014. However, in recent years, the U.S. government has turned to crypto exchanges to sell seized Bitcoin over public auctions. One such sale came in March earlier this year when the government sold 9,118 BTC on Coinbase as confirmed through a public filing. (laughs) 
<laughs> so now I didn't realize that they basically uh, had started thinking about uh, selling this stuff on actual crypto exchanges rather than through the U.S. Marshal Service. And but that's neither here nor there. The real point is is that we got almost two hundred thousand BTC chilling out in U.S. government hardware wallets under the Department of Justice and the IRS. I mean, it's going to be easy for them to get forfeiture uh, orders on on those Bitcoin that don't already have forfeiture orders on. The question is, do they sell it? And my, But the bigger question is, why haven't they already sold it? Seriously, think about that. Why haven't they already liquidated their position? They've had this shit for like, well, they've had uh, the Silk Road coin since 2020. That's, you know, coming up on four years. I mean, even if you just go conservative and say three years. And January 2022, I mean, they're holding these coins for a lot longer than I expect. Are they waiting? Are they, are they amassing Bitcoin at this point to weaponize it as a mass market sale? But here's the thing. You and I both know what will happen. If, okay, let's, if they sell and they do it in a weaponized fashion and they sell everything all at once and they make this huge market, you know, splash and, oh my God, we're all going to die. And all the media says, this is it. Bitcoin's dead. And it's just going to be a, a wipeout. Yes. And long positions will get fucking liquidated out the wazoo. And it'll be horrible and it will suck. And it's not going to matter in the long run because they didn't actually kill the network that is Bitcoin. What they did is they put pressure on the mental stability of the people that are just trying to hold on to their damn Bitcoin. And that's all they can do. That's it. They are like, as far as weaponry goes, they literally have nothing but Bitcoin to fight Bitcoin with. So I kind of take this whole thing as, you know, good news, A, that they haven't sold it all yet, and B, if and when they do, essentially it's not going to matter. It will matter on the day. It will matter on the days to come right after that. But soon, thereafter, it's not going to matter. It's just going to suck during that time. But we've got other fish to fry. Before we get into the numbers, let's do this last one from Camille Shomba out of Coindesk. California's bit license bill has been signed, 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 signed by a governor, sorry, Governor Newsom. Yeah, I figured you would. California Governor Gavin or Gavin Newsom signed a crypto licensing bill on Friday. And it's set to take effect in July of 2025. Okay, so this doesn't come into effect for 20, you know, for a, quite a while, quite a while, guys. Considered California's answer to New York's bit license, the digital financial assets law faced heavy industry criticism, but was passed by the U.S. state U.S. states assembly in September. Of 2022, the law requires the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation to create a regulatory framework for crypto. The framework includes a licensing regime and gives the department enforcement and rulemaking authority over the entire sector. The DFPI also gets an 18 month implementation period to ensure 
Quote, the adopted regulatory framework can be thoughtfully tailored to address industry trends and mitigate consumer harm, the letter said. So Gavin Newsom has signed the California version of BitLicense. Nobody in Bitcoin wants to work in New York State because of New York's BitLicense. California has basically just shot themselves in the head and all the people that are in California, well, not all of them, but I guarantee you we're going to see an exodus of not only Bitcoin people, but the rest of the crypto fiends are all going to bail out. And they're going to, New York and California are going to be backwaters when it comes to this stuff. And because they're backwaters when it comes to this stuff now means that they're going to be financial backwaters and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse for them. And it will be states like Texas, but hell even probably Colorado, you know, like anybody else that is like Florida. I mean, they're just going to take over, you know, like the, the port, like the, the California, New York, they won't have as much money as they thought that they were going to have. And then the ports start failing. And then all of a sudden, you know, maybe the, you know, Washington state ports and, you know, Oregon state ports start taking more and more because of they can't afford to keep their ports up in New York and California. And on the Eastern seaboard where New York ports are like some of the most important, maybe it moves down the Eastern seaboard because their transit authority isn't going to have the money because more and more people are going to move out. Nobody wants to do business. If, if Bitcoin goes away, we think it's going to go. They could have had everything and they chose nothing. Let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. They got West Texas Intermediate Oil is down 1.16%, but 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 man, it really flew it really flew yesterday when oil futures started opening up. Uh, it went up to like 88 bucks. Right now, we're looking at $86.62. Brent North Sea is likewise down 1.39%, but it's like just below $90 a barrel. Natural gas taking a hit, 3.89% to the downside, but it's still $3.11 for 1,000 cubic feet. Gasoline is up a third of a point to $2.27. Gold is down half a point to 1932. Silver is down 0.61% to 2275. Platinum is up 1.5%. Copper is up a quarter of a percent. Palladium is up a half. Most of your agricultural futures are down. The only winner today is, well, no, two winners today, soybeans, but cocoa takes the lead 2.34% to the upside. Biggest loser today is going to be what? Cotton down 1%. I got live cattle down 0.11%. Lean hogs are down 1.4 and feeder cattle is down a half. Dow futures, or sorry, the Dow is up right now 0.86%. The S&P is up a full point. NASDAQ is up over a point and a fifth. And the S&P mini is up a point and a half. Bonds are all up, or at least their yields are up. So, that means that their face value has been pushed down again. They cannot get, they cannot get, they cannot get this shit under control. Nobody's talking about the volatility of bonds. 
Remember like United States Treasury bonds used to be the safe haven asset. Your risk-free rate of return. That's all bullshit. Now there was probably, a, well, there was a time that that was true. When everything was static, now all they were doing was printing money since the you know financial collapse in 2008 and throughout all the wars and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, bonds were fine. Bonds were good. Bond market was kick-ass. Right now, I can't imagine a more risky asset than bonds, except maybe oil futures, but be that as it may. You got the 20-year bond is up to 5.07%. The 30-year is at 4.86%. So between the 30 and the 20-year bonds, we've got a rate inversion. So that's weird by itself. The 10-year bond is sitting at 4.71%. The dollar index is down today 0.1, no, 0.41% to 106.24. And you may do with that whatever it is you will. $28,370. Woohoo for Bitcoin this morning at this time. 0.48 BTC taken in, no, is the average transaction value. The median transaction value is about 200 bucks. Block times are slightly high, 10 minutes, 31 seconds. We got 0.11 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 16 in fees overall in the last 24 hour period. We had a difficulty adjustment. It was up, I want to say 6.4% when it came in. But as since that's happened, we've had a slight decrease in hash rate. We're down to 450 and a half exahashes per second. And your shitcoin indicator is back up to six United States pennies. Why? Well, because all the shit coins follow Bitcoin. They can't do anything about it. Follow the leader. Market cap for Bitcoin is $553.6 billion. That is four and a third, four and a third percent of gold's entire market cap. And you can, if you so choose, purchase 14.8 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19 million. 515,343 of and 5,305 of them sons of bitches are chilling in the lightning network valued at $150.5 million. 14,854 nodes. We are losing nodes fast, guys. With 64,117 channels. The number of payment channels is staying relatively solid against all these nodes going offline. I find that fascinating. I also find it a little troubling, but I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Now, as far as the block uh, blocks and the mempools around the world are concerned, we're getting high. We're getting back up there. We're looking at right around 100 blocks carrying 36,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear. 25 Satoshis per V-byte is going to be your high-priority transaction. Low-priority, you're going to pay 24. And anything under two and a quarter Satoshis per V-byte, you're going to get purged from mempools around the world. Mempool.space is showing a hash rate of 391 exahashes per second. So let's just call it Ah, 400 exahashes per second and be done with it. So now on to the Bitcoin and Boostergrams. Jen in Indy with 10,000 Satoshi says, do what you got to do. We're not going anywhere. Jen, I appreciate that. Pies with 10,000 says, Dave, keep your head up, my brother. I don't know what you're experiencing, but you will come out on top. Stay strong and persevere. God bless. 
Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Uh, Toxic Honey Badger with 33333 says, if you're open to it, would love to have you on my show. Keep up the awesome work. Uh, DM me on Noster, Toxic Honey Badger, or go to the Telegram group. Uh, actually, let me put that in there. If you happen to be listening to... Uh, hold on. If you happen to be listening to me on uh, zap.stream, I'm going to throw this into the zap.stream chat. Let's see if that gets gets in there. Come on. No, 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 no. Zap's, Zapstream is always kind of freaking me out. Or it, it always freaks out on me. Sorry. There we go. All right, so the last thing that I put in there uh, into the zap.stream chat is the link to the Telegram group. Um, So come in there, and and if you have a question, you can ask me there. You can DM me on Noster, and I'll see what I can do. Uh, Saints and Sats with a thousand says, now I have that song stuck in my head. Yeah, I know. Good songs do that. Saint and Sats with another thousand has the uh, ch- uh, the toasting emoji. God's death with 370 says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. And Pies, as usual, finishes us off with thank you, sir. No, thank you. And that's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. I'm going to play a little bit of this uh, video that I scored off of Noster about Twitter. And just let's let's listen to this and we'll go through it. It's I mean, I'm not going to say that much about it, but it kind of brings home just how bad Twitter has gotten. Hold on for it. See, man, it's actually kind of hard to explain the gravity of the situation. See, Twitter in particular is now a cottage industry, maybe not even cottage, just a full-blown industry of post anything you can possibly think of, and the more provocative it is, the more money you get paid. The formula isn't exactly open source, but because it incentivizes engagement, right, and there's a discrepancy between unverified and verified accounts and how much gets paid, people are now rushing to report on the most extreme things they can possibly find just for the revenue share. Now, that's not exactly a novel phenomenon, not in the slightest on social media, but it's worse than I have ever seen in my entire life right now on Twitter, and the structure is composed in such a way where even when false information is successfully debunked, the original poster has a monetary incentive to leave it up and let it spread. Even if it's wrong, even if you scroll down in the community note or the comment section debunks it and shames the original author mercilessly, they still get paid for that activity which has led to one of the most vicious propaganda and disinformation cycles I have ever seen in my lifetime in the world. Let's just show some examples. For clarity, I will not be weighing in on the discussion with my own opinion about the conflict. Won't happen. I'm not here to discuss the sides, the events, or the morality of anything. I'm just here to showcase that Twitter, or X, is a fallen world of deliberate propagated lies. I'll start with this. On October 8th, in the middle of a breakout war, Elon Musk posted this, recommending two accounts for following the war in real time, saying that they were good sources. Not just one, but both of these accounts were previously some of the largest engines behind the propagation of fake AI images, claiming that there had been an explosion at the Pentagon. Two for two on people who promoted blatantly obvious AI disinformation. Now, 
to be fair, at least OSINT Defender actually tries to have accurate information. I've looked at their content in the past, and they've been helping debunk the torrential downpour more recently of lies on the platform. Kudos to them. But that's the foundation we're building on. Let's get more detailed. This right here is a post with, at the time, about a quarter million views. Quote, Big breaking, a U.S. Air Force nuclear-capable B-52 bomber just landed in Israel, end quote. Well, for starters, it's bullshit. But if we want to get technical, according to the U.S. Air Force manual, B-52s can't carry that ordinance anymore. They can carry nuclear-tipped cruise missiles, maybe, but they do not carry traditional warheads. Oh, and it also just didn't fucking happen. But Andrew Forsberg, verified on Twitter, is likely getting paid and has left the post up even now. Let's just try this one on for size. Quote, Israel soldier completely destroyed Hamas aircrafts. Hamas doesn't have aircraft. What a shot when Hamas aircraft entered into Israel. End quote. This video has 1.1 million views and it's footage from Arma 3 and it's still up a video game. Sure. Now it has a community note after a substantial amount of time, but no version of that system can ever keep up with this problem. And that system itself, community notes, is an issue alone, a deeply flawed issue that I'll discuss later on. I'll go a little bit faster here for the sake of time. This account right here, Sprinter, has been perpetuating a flood of inaccurate information such as this. Hamas says it has no fear of U.S. carrier group in Mediterranean and thanks Ukraine for U.K. naval drones, end quote. But for starters, that picture traces back well over a year and comes from Ukraine working on their own fleet of naval drones. Also, it didn't fucking happen. That is, there has simply not been a statement made by Hamas to that effect, period. This one went mega viral. Pretty much all the big influencers on Twitter reposted this time and time again. It's two years old, though, from Syria. They made money on it. It got them millions of views. They are leaving it up as a result of monetized incentive, and it's just flat out not true. Here's one. Who are you with? Almost a million views on here. And sure, it's not explicitly mislabeling the video as active wartime footage, as most others do, but it's another video game being shown as if it's real. And the list goes on. This guy right here has got to be one of the biggest parasites I've ever seen on all of social media, willing to push quite literally anything for the sake of money and views. This one has 6.9 million, and there's absolutely no confirmation that it's true. These people are parrots that just spit back out whatever video they get sent for the ad dollars. One guy propagated news that the third oldest Christian church in the world had been destroyed. Ben Goggin at NBC News did a good job debunking that particular instance, and the church itself had to clarify, no, the building wasn't destroyed. Millions of views, thousands of people picking it up and pushing it further afterwards, and it never even got taken down. Just flat-out deception for profit. All right. So he goes on and on. This, the whole thing is like a 12-minute, you know, tirade against, you know, what, what's going on over there on Twitter. And I'm not, I'm not doing the whole thing where, oh, disinformation and misinformation and Hamas war and Israel and blah, blah, blah. It, clearly, this, this is what he's talking about. But I just want to expand that to, to everything. All right, doesn't it doesn't matter what it is that you're talking about. The point is that Elon has taken Twitter and because of the incentivization that he's put in, 
this guy is is very correct in the estimation that now because of that twitter has turned into a dumpster fire it was a dumpster fire before yes we all know we all get it it was absolutely 100% a dumpster fire i understand that but now there is nothing nothing on twitter that's good for anybody to actually listen to it's bad for your mental health Please, please, please understand that when when you hear people talking about Noster and you're rolling your eyes, you need to stop. You need to stop rolling your eyes. If you want to get out of the mire and the muck and the absolute sewer that is legacy social media, then I am begging you to at least give Noster more than a couple of tries. Understand that, yes, it's a little kludgy. Does it work a little different? Yes, it does. It d- d- Are you going to have a different experience? Yes, you are. And that's the fucking point. You, do you want to experience nothing but like, you know, people act, you know, passing off video game footage as real news? <laughs> if that's what you want, then by all means, go go over to Twitter and remain as pissed off as you can possibly ever get. But if you don't want that, if you want something better for your life, if you want to not feel so awful all the time because of the shit that you're having to read and see, and now you don't even know if any of it's true because of the incentivization that Elon Musk has put into play on Twitter, then consider Noster. At least for the love of God, at least stop rolling your eyes. Because since I've been on Noster, I am in a much better mood. Sure, last three weeks have actually sucked. That's an external issue all the way. That has nothing at all to do with Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of that bullshit, right? That's just shit you can't control or a shit that I can't control. It's just stuff that happens. And by the way, much better week this week. That said, the more you look at the crap that's going on on Twitter, now that it's gotten worse because people are incentivized to just bring you the old, the crappiest stuff that they possibly can the stuff that is meant to burn your soul because of that it is now more than ever it is more important than ever to figure out a way how to jump off that thing go to noster get do the work if if you don't know how to do it if you're confused ask somebody on noster if you don't get an answer in 15 minutes you know, or so, try again. DM me. I'm none your business on Noster. If if you're listening to the show, my NPUB key is in the show notes all the time. And if you have to go to, you know, if you can't get it off the iPhone or whatever you're listening to F- Fountain on or something like that because show notes, then go to a desktop. You can get it from there. You, you can lift it from there. Put it in a Noster. Follow me. Give me a DM. I will do what I can to hook you up with the people that know, or I will show you how to do it myself if I have time. But I don't want anybody spending any more time than they have to on this platform that is designed to piss you off. What kind of life does Elon expect people to live if they're nothing but enraged all the time? Enough of that. Bitcoin Magazine, Reed McDonald, El Salvador vice president, says Bitcoin is driving the rebirth of our country. 
El Salvador's Vice President Felix Alua has expressed his belief that Bitcoin's adoption is playing a pivotal role in the country's economic and political resurgence. In a new interview with Forbes, Vice President Uloa described it as a driving force behind a transformation that is fueling tourism, investment, and economic growth. Ulola stated, without a doubt, tourism and the use of digital currencies go hand in hand and are a sign that future and the rebirth of our country. He went on to emphasize that Bitcoin's adoption has facilitated an open and borderless financial system, unlocking new opportunities for Salvadorans and the nation as a whole that have outweighed an increase in international criticism. Quote, there were reactions in both directions. Some multilateral organizations initially made objections. Still, the enthusiasm that started in the sphere of the digital economy with Bitcoiners, where El Salvador, having positioned itself as the first country to adopt a cryptocurrency as legal tender, was at the forefront and attracted many investors who are, in fact, installed in Salvador, he explained. El Salvador's journey into the world of Bitcoin gained significant attention when it became the first country to adopt Bitcoin. Yeah, we know all that. But what we have here is now the vice president of El Salvador is going to Forbes and saying, no, our country is turning around. And he's putting Bitcoin right there as the main, one of the absolute main reasons why that's happening. It's honestly, it's amazing because this cannot be making the IMF happy. It's not making the World Bank happy because El Salvador doesn't want any more of their loans. And if this works, if Bitcoin does anything like what we think it's going to do in anywhere like the time frame that we think it's going to do it in, then El Salvador won't ever have to take a loan again. And by example, other countries will stop doing business with the IMF, the European Central Bank, the World you know, health uh, organization, the world, uh, the world bank, the U well, they'll probably engage with the UN just because whatever, maybe they throw fascinating parties. I don't know. But the whole point being that El Salvador is showing other small countries that they don't have to play the game the way that it's been played for seven decades. And if it works, you can expect some real ugly chicanery to start occurring around these Latin American countries and African countries when it comes to their presidential elections, their judiciary, their representation, you name it, it's all coming. It's all coming, along with a bottle of Adderall. (laughs) You wonder why I said it? Because Sam Bankman-Fried needs more Adderall to focus say lawyers, uh, coin telegraph, who's writing it. Uh, let me see if I can get the name here. Uh, Jesse Coughlin is pinning this one. FTX co-founder Sam Bankman fried has asked a United States judge for long release Adderall saying he's finding it hard to concentrate in an October 15th letter to New York district judge, Lewis Kaplan, Bankman fried's lawyers asked if he could take a 12 hour extended release, 20 milligram dose of Adderall before he's transported to trial on October the 16th. The lawyers added that Bankman Fried's lack of prescribed stimulant during trial hours means he's not able to concentrate at the level he ordinarily would. As Bankman Fried's defense case and the decision on whether he will testify approach, his lawyers are concerned 
that the FTX founder won't be able to meaningfully participate in presenting his defense without medication. The former FTX CEO has been doing his best to remain focused during the trial despite his lack of medication during trial hours, the letter added. Even if Bankman-Fried takes the requested medication, there's no way of knowing at present whether the extended release dose will be effective. <laughs> there's more to it than that, but you don't really need to know it. It's what what I find odd here is that if he's if you're prescribed medication of any kind by a medical doctor, I don't know how a court or a jail would have the ability to take that medication away. Let's say he was on heart medication. Do you just take it away? There's something fishy about this. That's what I'm getting at. There's something fishy about this. This is medically prescribed Adderall. He's not buying it off the street, right? He has a prescription. It was given by like an MD. It's on a prescription pad. It's totally legal. And why this kid doesn't have his, his freaking like go juice is, is beyond my comprehension. But also in the same vein, could you imagine being as lawyers dealing with someone like Sam Bankman fried? You know, that dude needs Adderall. I'm sorry, but he's just, he's just one of the guys that probably needs Adderall and probably needs it a lot. So just, I just thought that that was actually kind of funny. Now, uh, coin kite has released their newest Bitcoin device and it can serve as a lightning wallet and a Noster client apparently as well as being a Bitcoin hardware wallet. And it's called the Sats Link. And this is Nomcios from Bitcoin Magazine. CoinKite has announced their latest product, Sats Link. The underproduction device sits at the intersection of many different areas of communications and mobile hardware. Rather than leaning on an opinionated framework, Sats Link leverages open and flexible hardware enclosed by the cold cards Q1 exterior to bring variety and flexibility to developers. Those in possession of this device can choose what to do with it and let their builder mentalities run wild on the many different possibilities. At its core, Sats Link is a peer-to-peer hackable multi-purpose device. It features a secure element as typical of all CoinKite products of allowing the user to securely store private keys within the device. While it shares the external design with the cold card Q1, the internals are totally different. Oh, so it's not a hardware wallet. The internals are totally different from the company's latest hardware wallet. Instead of focusing on air gap security, the Sats Link aims to bring secure communication to day to day in ways that few would have considered possible. Quote, being dissatisfied with the connected and DIY options, we felt the need to create a better hot platform NVK uh, founder of CoinKite told Bitcoin Magazine, quote, Bitcoin is expanding scripting MPC options, and we now have Noster. Someone had to make a good connected and portable device for developers and enthusiasts to create the next generation of freedom functionality. SatsLink leverages ESP32S3, a low-powered MCU based on a chip with integrated 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi and Bluetooth low energy. It consists of high-performance dual-core microprocessor, a low-power coprocessor, a Wi-Fi baseband, a Bluetooth LE uh, baseband, RF module, and numerous peripherals. SatsLink is programmed in MicroPython with its source code fully available, and it is completely field-upgradable with no lockdown ROM areas. 
CoinKite's product also features a micro SD slot for data transfer. Quote, the initial target is developers and enthusiasts, Novak said, but because of the consumer-friendly form factor, they will be able to start using anything the community creates, like hot and sovereign lightning wallets and Noster clients. Noster, the open communications protocol that went viral after Block CEO and Twitter founder Jack Dorsey started endorsing the and funding the project is top of the list of possible use cases for SatsLink. Given its peer-to-peer communication capabilities, SatsLink can be used as a Noster client. And since it can also work as a relay, one could send and receive messages as Noster posts without those ever hitting the internet. Imagine a localized Noster made up of many SatsLink devices talking to each other through a sort of mesh network instead of the open web. That could be possible with this device. Another interesting use case that many Bitcoiners could relate to is having a sovereign controller for their home-based Bitcoin stack. As some Bitcoiners run Bitcoin nodes and sometimes even self-hosted servers at home, one could program the SATS link to connect to their home stack on demand and perform desired actions remotely and securely given its networking capabilities. SATS link could be used to run transaction coordinator, for instance, or be used as a whole wallet, though CoinKite doesn't recommend using the SATS link as your go-to cold storage solution for large Bitcoin amounts. I have to agree. SATS link communication features also boast NFC, and a QR code reader enabling even more use cases for its eventual users. Notably, this combination paired with SatsLink's versatility and programmability could even be used to turn it into a hardware wallet of another manufacturer. Whether that's desirable or not, truth is it could be possible to turn a SatsLink into Blockstream's Jade wallet or other similar DIY hardware wallets. While the possibilities are endless, What users actually build with this product remains to be seen. CoinKite's device is currently available to pre-order on the company's website at a $189 price tag, and it is still unclear when the product will start shipping to buyers. So if you thought, because I had always kind of thought I would want something like a cold card to handle my Nostra private keys. Now, what... The stuff that's in this article, it goes well beyond that. But if we just focus in on Noster and had the ability to sign messages offline, if we wanted to, with the cold card, you, I mean, we, we could do that. Now, nobody's going to do that. Your general user in the rough is definitely not going to do that. We're having problems getting people to actually get on Noster in the first damn place. I, that's why I was get, gave you that entire thing about how Twitter sucks so bad and they're incentivizing hate and deceit and anything that'll set your soul and burn it on fire and burn it down to ash, right? So, but the ability to take the exact same hardware as the Q1 from CoinKite and turn it into a signatory device for something like Noster is amazing. I think it's going to be a blast for developers to get a hold of. I just feel really bad for Pablo because he's not going to get any more sleep than he was ever going to get in the first place. And now it's just going to get even worse. And that's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right. You ready for dad says jokes? Well, here it is. My wife asked me to put ketchup on the shopping list. 
Now I can't read anything. Get it? You put ketchup on the shopping list. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. It is Monday. We're starting out a new week. We started out the new week with a clear amount of disinformation when it came to the Bitcoin ETF. And don't let that don't let that worry you because do does Bitcoin need a spot Bitcoin ETF? No. But there are people that need Bitcoin and they can't get it without a spot Bitcoin ETF. All right. So while we don't need it and Bitcoin doesn't need it, it's essential for it to happen so that some people that need Bitcoin can get it. And if you look at it that way, it is a much better way to look at it, in my opinion, then it's going to crank the price up or it's like a billion, you know, like a, a wave of cash is going to fall on us and we're all going to be rich. And instead of, instead of wasting our time dawdling with how much money is going to flow in when and if a Bitcoin ETF, instead of thinking about all that, think about the amount of people that would be able to have exposure to Bitcoin that don't have exposure to Bitcoin and need that exposure to Bitcoin they would be able to have that exposure with a spot Bitcoin ETF because their institutions that they work for or handling their their 401ks or whatever would then be able to engage in the purchase of the actual underlying asset that is Bitcoin. And even though the people in the 401k would not actually be able to hold that Bitcoin themselves, they would have direct exposure to the asset. I think that that's a good thing. Will it be grayscale? No. Will it be Kathy Woods Ark Invest? No. Will it be BlackRock first? Yes. That's my prediction. <laughs> I I I could very clearly be wrong. And even if I am, I don't care. This is one of the things that, it, you know, even if it just like the whole thing never, you know, doesn't happen this year or next, eventually they're going to have a Bitcoin ETF. It's gone on. The, Bitcoin has gone on too long. It can't be killed. I don't think that you can even legislate against this stuff anymore. I, so it's eventually going to happen. Whether it happens now or later, I don't think it really matters. But, you know, it is what it is. Now, uh, I got a song here, Beautiful Ghost, from Devotee on wavelake.com. Listen up. Stop. 
So, Beautiful Ghost by Devotee. If you get a chance to go over to Wave Lake or, or any other place that you can uh, zap songs on the Podcasting 2.0 general platform, and by platform, I just mean it's like an ecosystem. You can go get a new podcasting app. I use Fountain.fm. I love it. Uh, there are other ones out there. Go to newpodcastapps.com, and you will find it, or go to Podcast Index and look around there, and you'll find a whole host of applications, and it's all built around Podcasting 2.0. The ability for you to send value directly to me or to any of your other con- favorite content creators, whether they're podcasters or musicians or whatever. The ecosystem is growing. Do not be left behind. Go get your ass a brand spanking new podcasting 2.0 app. Leave your legacy podcasting app behind. It doesn't it doesn't work or it's not it I mean it works, but it's not going to work the way you're going to want it to work as this stuff rolls out because Apple and the rest of the legacy podcasting they are not going to be able to fathom how they're going to lose their ass because they're not getting into podcasting 2.0. Their loss is our gain. But if you want to support the show, the Bitcoin podcast podcast or Bitcoin and podcast show, then you need to use podcasting 2.0. It's the only way to go. You can stream me Satoshi's. You can throw me boostograms. You can help me help you understand what's going out there in Bitcoin and the rest of the world. That is, is going to do it for the entire show, and I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.